Welcome to the Title Run Sports Podcast. I'm your host, David Thay, coming to you today from the Matty Ice Studios with an emergency version of the podcast. Talk to you about one of the most significant moves in Atlanta Falcons history. And that, of course, is the trade that dealt franchise quarterback Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts. If you're new to the podcast, please like and subscribe on your podcasting platform. You can email us, titleronsports at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. So, so today the Atlanta Falcons made an absolutely earth-shattering move and trading away Matt Ryan, the starting quarterback for the last 14 years, the best starting quarterback in franchise history, and without much argument, the best player in franchise history, away to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round draft pick. So with all the stuff going on with the failed Deshaun Watson trade and the aftermath of that, a move for Matt Ryan wasn't shocking. But I have to say the deal they got for him, which is the Colts' number 83 pick in the third round, the worst of their two third-round picks, and nothing else, just leaves me feeling some kind of way. I'll just be honest with you. I, I, when I heard that they got a third-round pick, my first response was to several of you that texted me, and what else? That's it. Now, this isn't Dominique Wilkins to the Clippers for Danny Manning bad, but Carson Wentz, who has not been very good in three or four years, gets traded for two third-round picks in a conditional second, with a $30 million contract, and we can't get more than a third-round pick for Matt Ryan. Somebody shared a meme that kind of summed this up pretty succinctly. The Colts get the best Falcons player in team history, and the Falcons get a third-round pick. I just I just thought all along that a second-round pick was like the starting point for Matt Ryan, and then you would see what other draft compensation you could get thrown in, maybe a second and a fourth. Maybe even a third and a fourth, but the thought of getting only one draft pick, a third round pick, and a lower third round pick for Matt Ryan, I'm I'm just shocked. So no matter how you slice this up, this is not a great deal with the Falcons. They did not maximize his value. The Colts had the Falcons over a barrel with the fact that the Falcons were up against a 4 p.m. deadline, where if they did not trade Matt Ryan by that point, they were on the hook for his entire salary barring a cut after June 1st. And so I'm guessing that with that leverage, they basically told the Falcons, here's our deal, take it or leave it. And if you don't take it, you're stuck with $48 million in your books for Matt Ryan. So as it stands, we will pay Matt Ryan $40 million to play for another team (laughs) before we get a ridiculous amount of cap space in 2023. Um, So as a Falcons fan, just speaking as a pure fan, not analyzing everything, I am sad to see Matt Ryan go. I was a Matt Ryan supporter. He had his flaws. He is by far the best quarterback in franchise history. He is responsible for most of the best Falcons moments of my lifetime, including getting us to a Super Bowl. And I am very thankful for how good of a leader he was, how good of an ambassador he was for our franchise, the fact that he was nothing but a class act his entire time here. He will be in the Hall of Fame pretty easily as he's going to leave here. At this point in his career, top 10 in the NFL, all-time in passing yards, touchdowns, uh, top five in fourth-quarter comebacks, even though all the idiots on Facebook want to say how unclutch he is, which makes no sense to me. But from a fan, I'm sad to see him go. 
somebody that analyzes the move from a purely football standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. If you look at the Falcons for next year, the 2022-23 season, they're set up to be a team that's probably, with Matt Ryan, going to win seven to nine games. May or may not get you in the playoffs. A team that's probably very similar to this year, going to put a competitive product on the field, not going to be able to beat the best teams. And like again, and with the fact that they're crossover divisions this year where the NFC West and the AFC North, two really, really rugged divisions, uh, will actually be facing Deshaun Watson this year. It, it was going to be hard to beat any better than about a 7-9 to nine win team. And nine wins would be really generous. That's assuming you get wins over teams like the Commanders, you sweep the Panthers, uh, you know, you split with the team like New Orleans. And it just it's not looking good. The Falcons are probably going to be a 7-win team this year with Matt Ryan. So knowing that, if you're not going to be a team that's in contention anyway, why not go and flip him for an asset and plan on being competitive for the 2023-24 season? And that's essentially what they decided to do. Probably a decision that should have been made earlier in the offseason, but they do it now, and there's always going to be the fans that say, well, you should have done this last year. Well, last year you came into the season thinking that you had a potential all-pro receiver in Calvin Ridley who you were going to team with a really, really elite pass-catching prospect in Kyle Pitts. You were going to have something on offense, and the defense was just going to be what it was. And then Calvin Ridley does what he does, and you're left totally bereft of weapons once Russell Gage gets hurt other than Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts. And we know how that went down. We don't need to rehash all that. But the point being, you can kind of understand why Arthur Smith comes in, sees Matt Ryan, a former MVP, just apparently a really good quarterback, and says, no, I want to give it a shot with that guy. I mean, it's the best quarterback he's worked with. And his previous two quarterbacks include Marcus Mariota, who we'll get to, and we're going to spend a lot of this podcast on, and Ryan Tannehill. So he's thinking, if I can make an AFC Championship game with Ryan Tannehill, what could I potentially do with Matt Ryan? if we can get some support around them. Now, that support never came. It wasn't going to come this year at the lack of cap space that they had, and so the Falcons chose to move on. Now, here's the real question. Where do the Falcons go from here? How do we rebuild this franchise, and how long will it take? So I'm here to hit you with a five-step process to get the Falcons back to being competitive by the 2023 season. Ready? Here we go. Step one evaluate Marcus Mariota. I think it's very easy to forget what Marcus Mariota is. As someone that hasn't watched him play in several years, I had to go back and watch some of his old games and kind of recap in my own head, what is he? What is he good at? What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? And so what is he? He is a high pedigree quarterback who is still young. He'll be 28 years old when we start this upcoming season, who has really exceptional physical tools. Six foot four, 222 pounds, a 4.52 40-yard dash in the NFL Combine. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He was the number two pick in the 2015 draft behind Jameis Winston. And he's a legitimately great athlete with average arm strength but adequate arm strength. And this last year as the backup quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders, he basically played the Taysom Hill role where he entered the game in red zone in short yardage situations to run read plays and gimmick plays. So, that's what he is now. He was a quarterback with a 29 and 32 record over five seasons with the Tennessee Titans. Three of those were winning seasons. Uh, they did win. They didn't. And I think people forget this, but they pulled a huge upset over the Kansas City Chiefs in the wild card round back in I think it was 2017. And um, so he's got a playoff win under his belt uh, as a quarterback. He was really good off play action. 
has lightning quick release, three-quarter release. The ball just explodes out of his hand very quickly, and he's got a good deep ball. He averaged over 300 yards a season rushing when he was a starter, and he has nine fourth-quarter comebacks and 11 game-winning drives in 74 career games, which is really good. Now, having said all those positive things about him, why is he available? Because of injuries and inconsistency. His best season was his 2016 season, which was his sophomore season, and he never really approached that level of production again. The next two years combined, he threw 24 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. So in the 2016 season, he threw, I believe, 26 touchdowns. So he never really approached that production again, and he has not ever played a full 16-game schedule. As a full-time starter in the four years that he had the job to himself, he averaged about 13 games a season. In year five, he played five games and then was benched in favor of Ryan Tannehill. And Tannehill has gone on to lead them to an AFC championship game and a number one overall seed in the AFC playoffs. So <laughs> there's that. Um, one other thing to note about Mariota is that he's not a particularly fast processor. And like many athletic quarterbacks, he can get really impatient and often bail. And instead of climbing up in the pocket or resetting in the pocket to buy more time, he will take off and scramble, which he is exceptionally good at. Very good scrambler. Really, really good straight line speed. And I think people forget that unless you go back and watch his highlights from Tennessee. A lot of them include him outrunning linebackers and DBs to get first downs, which is one of the things he is good at. It'll be something that we haven't had here in a very, long, very, very long time in Atlanta. Um, so with that said, I would say that the first phase of this is to evaluate him because what will speed this rebuild up tremendously is if Marcus Mariota is actually your answer quarterback. Now, I don't think he is, but let's say we get him coached up and we give him a career resurrection, which we've seen happen before. We saw it happen with Ryan Tannehill. Five years of mediocrity at Miami, changes scenery to the Tennessee Titans, and all of a sudden he's a Pro Bowl-level quarterback leading one of the best offenses in football. Granted, you know, he had a lot better weapons, A.J. Brown, Johnny Smith, oh, and some guy named Derrick Henry. So he had a lot better weapons. But point being, it's not unusual to see a quarterback get this change of scenery and actually turn it around and play better. So maybe that happens. And if it does, you sign him long-term and you've got your answer quarterback. Now you can use all of this draft capital and cap space, which we'll get to in a few minutes, to build around him. So this is why I say step one is to evaluate Mariota. At worst, he's a stopgap starter in the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor mold that's just good enough to keep you with a watchable product on the field but isn't going to really be a threat to whoever you bring in to be your long-term starter with your 2023 draft class. So that's the first one, step. Step two, nail the 2022 NFL draft. And I didn't mention this before, but the Falcons have five picks in the top 82 of the draft. So what your hope is that the Falcons can recreate the 2016 draft where they absolutely nailed multiple picks First round, Keanu Neal ended up becoming a Pro Bowler. Second round pick, Deion Jones ended up becoming an All-Pro. Third round pick, Tevin Coleman ended up becoming a really quality starter. And in the fifth round, you drafted Foye Aluakon, who just finished as a leading tackler in the NFL this past season. So you got out of that draft four long-term starters. And if you were to do that again with 2022's draft, you could come into 2023 with... Three or four young starters on rookie contracts, 
in addition to a ton of cap space. So when you go and do like these mock drafts and you see what people put as positional needs for the Falcons, you'll see basically every position listed, and that's really pretty accurate. But if I had to prioritize uh, who the Falcons should be looking at first, it's and I think we all know this, it starts with pass rusher. You have to fix the line of scrimmage. Go get a pass rusher at number eight. Do not take George Karloftis at eight. Do not take David Ajabo at eight, who just apparently tore his Achilles. And I was not an Ajabu fan before that. Um, not at least at eight. Any other player there you should take as an edge rusher is fine. Aiden Hudson to me is great value Nick Bosa, which I think is a compliment. I think Thibodeau's a solid edge prospect. I don't think he's a 15-sack guy, but he's not Nick Beasley. Uh, you could also bring in Jermaine Johnson or Trayvon Walker. I'm fine with any of those at eight. And if not that, then I would say target the best wide receiver in the class. But I think there's really good depth in the wide receivers. So I'd be fine with any of those at eight. After you address your pass rush, the Falcons have not made a big signing at wide receivers. So I'm assuming they're going to double down in that position in the draft. Lots of good wide receivers, which I covered in my podcast two weeks ago on how to replace Calvin Ridley. But just a couple second-round options could be Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Jahan Dotson's out of Penn State, really savvy Routes and hands, guy with some speed. George Pickens, a John Mechie, who I'm not a huge fan of, but he is somebody that would be an option. David Bell, the All-American out of Purdue. Those are all guys you can get in the second round who would be immediate contributors, if not immediate starters. So there's value there in going in the second round. And then obviously the next position is the offensive line. If one of the top tackles falls, Neil, Aquanu, or Cross, you have to consider them at number eight if you're going best player available. If not there, then you would consider a Zion Johnson or a Kenyon Green, who are two really high-rated guards. If they fell into round two, you'd have to consider them there at 43. And then someone like a Jamari Sawyer would be a great value in the third or fourth round. So again, when you have as many needs as the Falcons have, there's not too much worry about positional value. You can really just take a good player at any draft slot and improve your team. And that's what needs to happen here. The Falcons need to come out of this draft with minimum three starters. And if not, Terry Fontenot probably should not keep his job. Step number three, use your cap space to upgrade in 2023. So the cap jumps by $23 million next year. The Falcons right now, according to SpotRack.com, are projected to have $121 million in cap space. Now, now, realistically, that's probably going to be more like 60 or $70 million once we finish this year's signings, plus your nine draft picks. But with that much cap space, you can get multiple big-ticket free agents. So some of the options that will be free agents in 2023 going on the offensive line, because you're assuming Caleb McGeary will be gone next year, and if you haven't gotten better play out of the center position, you might want to reset there. But starting at the tackle position – you have Cam Robinson, Orlando Brown, DJ Humphreys, Jack Con- and Jack Conklin as options. And then centers like Brandon Linder and Mitch Morse, all these guys are 31 or younger going into the 23-23 season. At wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, Nelson Aguilar, Brandon Cooks, and DJ Chark will all be free agents in 2023. Those are all guys you could give big money contracts to to come here and be your number one receiver. And then, of course, there's also the whole idea of what happens with Calvin Ridley. At running back, Saquon Barkley will be a free agent. Kareem Hunt will be a free agent. And Kenyon Drake, all guys that come in and help right away. On the defensive line, you have Yannick Ngakwe, Stephon Tuitt, and Levante David. Really big-time edge rushers who will be available. Inside linebackers, you'd have Corey Littleton and Blake Martinez. 
And then in the secondary, you'd have James Bradbury, Jesse Bates, and Jordan Poyer, with Bates and Poyer being two really high-end safeties that will still be very much in their primes. So imagine you hit three starters in the 2023 draft, turn around, go dip back into free agency, and get three really impact players there. One impact offensive lineman, one impact defensive lineman, and maybe one impact player in the secondary. Now you've got a much, much more well-rounded roster in which to insert the person that you will take as step four, a long-term successor at quarterback. So when you look at the 2023 draft, the headliners are Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Spencer Rattler. Young and Stroud based on production and Rattler based on pedigree. But there's always going to be some quarterback that flashes, all out Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral and shoots up draft boards. But coming in, the thought of, you know, taking Bryce Young to be your long-term answer is pretty attractive. Um, he is an absolutely outstanding quarterback prospect. If he was eligible, he would be the first quarterback taken in this draft, hands down. Uh, possibly even the number one pick in this draft. And if it wasn't him, it would probably be Will Anderson. <laughs> so... Don't know if the Falcons will be bad enough to get him because while one of my friends texted me earlier and said, wow, Mariota's going to be our quarterback, we're a lock for that number one pick. And I said, I think you really underestimate just how bad the New York Giants, Carolina Panthers, and New York Jets are. Panthers have no quarterback. The Jets were really bad last year. I know they made a bunch of free agent signings. Jacksonville, I think, will absolutely be better because they'll have a real coach and they've made a bunch of big money signings. But the Jet, but the New York Giants are apparently running it back with Daniel Jones, and I just – don't think they're very good. So I think we'll have some competition for that number one pick. If the Falcons were to play tomorrow with the roster they have currently, it's probably the worst roster in the NFL. I mean, they would be like a three or four one team. But again, we're going to add nine draft picks to this roster, five of which will be high draft picks in the top 100. So I think it's pretty safe to say that this won't be the worst roster in the NFL by the time the draft is over. But this is still, I think, tops unless these rookies just ball out of control like a seven-win team. And I just don't know if six and 11 is going to be enough to get you the number one draft pick. So, step five after we've done all these things. After we've evaluated Marcus Mariota, after we've dominated the 2022 draft, getting at least three starters and other depth players, after we've used our cap space to upgrade in 2023, after we've drafted our long-term successor at quarterback in the 2023 draft, Step five is very simply to win. Everything will be in place. It's time to go win. Arthur Smith will probably get to the through the 2023 season to prove that he can win with this made-over roster. Hopefully a young starting quarterback. And the truth is, if you don't get it right in the next 18 months, you become the next Cleveland Browns, New York Jets, Jacksonville Jaguars. You become another franchise who is chasing their franchise quarterback. Because I don't know if Falcons fans realize this, but this is by far the best stretch of quarterback play in franchise history over the last 25 years. You went from Chris Chandler, who got you to a Super Bowl, right into Michael Vick, had a one-year hiccup, and then went into Matt Ryan. That's your last 25 years of quarterback play here in Atlanta. Chris Chandler, pro bowler. Mike Vick, pro bowler. Matt Ryan, pro bowler and MVP. That's what you've had at quarterback for the last 25 years. And it hasn't always been great, but you could be the Cleveland Browns whose best quarterback in the last 30 years is Baker Mayfield. It could be the Jacksonville Jaguars, whose best quarterback in the last 20 years is Blake Bortles. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. And so you don't want to be another one of those teams. 
Mariota buys you some time, and this is one of the options we talked about in the podcast on the podcast over the weekend. Mariota buys you some time, but you have to hit on this draft. You have to, and you have to find the right signal caller to come in and take over. I'm hoping that Terry Fontenot is up to the task, and that we'll be rooting for a winning Atlanta Falcons team a year and a half from now. This has been Dave Bethay from Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.